faith that he is real. I have faith that the Bible is true. I have faith that, that the words that are spoken about him are true. But how can I prove that he is real? Well, I've experienced him. Personal experience. I feel him. I see him working. I've seen him do miracles in people's lives. That's how I know he's real. Sometimes that's not enough for people to hear about it. Sometimes they have to have an experience with God. It's our job to get them in the place where they can do that. You know, Pastor Anthony spoke a while back and he said, you know, the Bible talks you know, about the fivefold ministry. You got teachers, preachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles. He said, and those were installed for the equipping of the saints so they can work the ministry. So, so many times people put all of the responsibilities on the pastor. They put all the responsibilities on the staff when it's the, it, it, it's the staff's job, it's the pastor's job to train and raise up ministers to do the ministry. You, under, you understand? It's our job to feed you But at some point, babies learn how to feed themselves. How long are we going to be spiritual babies? And expect someone else just to give us the word. Now, it's nice to come together and to be fed. I know, listen, I, I hear people complain about preachers all the time. They say, listen, I've been to that church and the preacher just don't feed me. Well, how long have you been a Christian? Well, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Well, how about act like it? Come on. Feed yourself sometimes. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry, guys. Anyhow, it's good to have you all this morning. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Get all kind of complaints after the day. <clears throat> well, guys, talk, talking about last minute, um, I've been sick for the past couple days. So nobody used this microphone. Um, and I sent Wes a text last night about 7 o'clock. Hey, man, be on standby. I might not be able to make it in the morning. He's like, that's kind of loud. That's, that's a lot of pressure. I said, well, if I can talk without coughing and I don't have fever, I'll be there. So here I am. But I am jacked up on um, Mucinex uh, DM. So I'm a little jittery. So Mucinex and coffee don't mix. So uh if I'm getting up here and I'm shaking, it ain't the Lord. It's that medicine making me act crazy. Oh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, it's good to have Jordan Lester in the house with us this morning. Let's give Jordan a hand for being here. Jordan is a minister in the IPHC. Um, he's a young guy, so if, if, if anybody's connected to another church, hey, get that guy to come speak at your church. He travels all over the state and does, does ministry. And Jordan, if you would just stand up for so y'all can see who I'm talking about. There's Jordan right there. Good man right there. I've always been taught to honor the man of God if he comes to your house, if you have a minister there. So if there are any other ministers here, I honor you. I don't know who you are, but I do know him. So <coughs> that's Jordan, everybody. A um, couple quick notes before we get started today. Did y'all notice in that song, um, Waymaker, when my man was back here on the drums, I don't know if y'all noticed, our, our, our bass don't work half the time. Sometimes it comes, and my man hit the drums, and it started going perfect time. And that, man, I was like, man, that was 
I was afraid, boy, the, the, the Lord knew right when they let down those speakers come on and come on. It added a, it, it's almost like we planned it and they had him muted the whole service and they got that part and they hit it and it's just boom, boom, boom. I was like, man, that's awesome. Um, a, a, another thing I want you guys to, to know is that um, we have a snake handler in the church. Her name is Miss Sarah. Um, she was bitten by a copperhead this week at her house. She, I'm, she's not a snake handler, just kidding. But she was bit. But she's here today, thank the Lord, that she is able to come to church and she's able to use that foot and to walk on that thing because, my goodness, we ain't no snake handlers, just so y'all know. Uh, I was playing golf with, with some buddies of mine the other day at, at, at a golf course in Florence, and uh, we were about to tee off, and it was right beside a pond, and I looked down, and there was this little water snake. I remember this, and I, snakes don't bother, unless they're venomous, and I can pick them up. Little water snake, I picked him up. And I was sitting, my buddy was on the tee box, and I took it, and I, I just hooked it up there. Go, hey, what are you doing, man? Man, what, what, why, why are you crazy like that? You know, man, why are you picking up snakes? I said, I said, you ever been to a Pentecostal church? Dead stone face. You ever been to a Pentecostal church? He said, no church does that. I said, no, man, we, we don't do that. We, we don't be handling no snakes, man. We, I promise you, we do not do that. But it's good to be here this morning. Um. The opportunity, uh, you, ne you never want to give an opportunity to, to, to minister, to, to speak God's word to, to God's people, and uh, you never want to take uh, 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 that for granted. You always want to make it count. Anything we do in life, whether it be in ministry, work, parenting, whatever it is, marriage, make it count. Make everything you do count because we've only got so much time. Make it count, guys. But I spoke to you guys, I had a little, a, a, a mini chance to speak to you guys, probably probably a month and a half ago, um, trying to uh, just encourage folks uh, about the importance of serving. Um, serving is, is, it's a thing to me that is very dear to my heart. The church we, that, that my wife and I came from in Tennessee exploded. We got there, they had about 350. Eight months later, we're knocking on 800. And people say, how do y'all do that? How did you get from 350 to 800 in eight months? Y'all must have been loaded. We were broke. Man, we didn't have any money. Every dime our church took in paid staff and went out to do ministry. We were broke. They said, well, y'all must have had a nice facility. We met in an old CVS storefront strip mall in Dixon, Tennessee. It sat 200 people packed out in the sanctuary. Children's facilities. We had some rooms, but I'm telling you, our facilities were not great. They weren't even good. They may have not even been fair. But how do you grow that church? How did your church explode? Y'all didn't have facilities. You didn't have money. What did you have? I said we had people who wanted to see it grow. We had the people. And through people, things began to happen. 
Through people, change began to happen. Through people, we literally spent time pouring into people, and those people began to live in the purpose that God had called them to. So many times we got people that come to church, they sit on the pews, they sit in the chairs, and they want to be fed, and they say, you know what, I'm just not getting what I need. I'm not getting, I'm, I'm not hearing what I need to hear. Well, so many times we're so discontent because we're not living in the purpose that God's called us to live in. There's a thing about sitting, there's a thing about attending, but when you start living in the purpose that he's called you to, it's a whole different ball game. It's called fulfillment. How many of y'all feel fulfilled today? Probably not too many, but I would, I, I would dare to look at yourself and say, am I living in the purpose that God has called me to live in? Because, you know, we sing about the way maker. We sing about the miracle worker. We sing about his promises. And we say, God, we, your word is full of promises. People have spoken over my life. I've been prophesied over. I've got all these promises in my life. And he's sitting here saying, do you want a promise? Come and get it. I'm not just going to hand it to you because our promises are found in our purpose. We want God to give us promise. He's saying, you're not doing what I called you to do. Why would I bless that? You're being a lazy Christian. Why would I bless that? You want want the promises I've got for you? Come and get them. Come and get it. He does not want to withhold any good thing from us. But there comes a time in our walk with God. We come to the altar or we, wherever we are, we give our heart to the Lord. He gifts that to us. That's a gift to us. That's a free gift. Hey, you didn't do anything to get it. But then there's a next step. What happens next? I'm saved. Now what? Do I just come and sit? Do I come and get my ears tickled? Do I, what, what do I do? You find your purpose. And through that purpose, you find your promises, and then you're fulfilled in ministry. All right, let me get to this. Y'all thinking, man, he ain't going to read no scripture. What's wrong with him? <laughs> no, that's that. Mucinex is what that is. <laughs> Mucinex and five cups of coffee. All right. If you guys would, turn with me to Second Kings. Yeah, I'm taking you way back. Old school in it. Second Kings chapter four. <clears throat> I, I tend to forget that people don't have physical Bibles anymore. You don't hear the pages turn. You might hear a few. Real quick, while you guys are turning there, I preached at a church one time. And it was a church that was in between pastors. And they were good folks. They probably had, I mean, about twenty people. It's a small country church. <laughs> there was this old lady there, and um, and they were like, I mean, they're, they're King James only folks. Well, I preached out of many different versions of the Bible, and I preached out of my ESV, which is what I'm preaching out of today. And after service, I, uh, I was warned about her. And uh, I went to her and said, listen, I know you're King James only, but these were the two options I had. I could either read out of my Bible, which is ESV, or I could have brought my tablet and brought up King James. She said, oh, my goodness, don't bring no tablet in the pulpit. I feel like if you can't, if you can't buy a Bible, you ought not to be a preacher. And I said, well, you do know this tablet is, I mean, it's, yeah. I was like, okay, well. So I made the right decision that night. All right, 
enough talking about that old lady. She was a sweet lady to somebody. <clears throat> All right. We're talking about Elisha and the widow's oil. And I, I, I spoke on this briefly about a month and a half ago. But let's get a, a, a little bit more in depth here. All right, we're going to start with verse 1. It's not going to be exactly, but that's the closest thing I could find that you guys had in the system back there. So I'm reading out of ESV. You've got the web. All right. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. <coughs> and Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. What have you in the house? What have you in the house? What do you have in your house? Basically, he's saying, what you got that I can work with? What do you have that we can work with here? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside. Borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons, and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So when she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons, and as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she began, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live off of the rest. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Lord, we pray that you will just be with me today as I deliver what you've put on my heart to deliver. Be with this cough. Be with these folks out here, Lord. Let this message pierce their hearts as you see fit, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we've got here is a lady. In those days, I'm pretty sure the husband was probably the breadwinner of the house. They probably stayed at home and took care of the house and cook you know I was about to make a joke there but I better not so I'll just leave it at that and so her husband has passed away he's died so her income is gone there's no way to 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 have income flowing in the house you think about well, what about our two sons well I don't know how old her sons were they may or may not been up to the age where they could work or provide for mom and take care of the house so her income had stopped How many of you have ever been in a situation <laughs> where your income has stopped and you start to panic a little bit? Ooh, how am I going to pay these bills? Lord, you got to help me. Lord, you got to send me some money. God, you got to do something. And the same thing that we would do because we start to feel that panic set and we start to feel that, man, what's going to happen? She had the same feelings. So we go directly to God to talk to God. Well, she went to the man of God, Elisha. So she sought him out. I need help. My husband is dead. The creditor has come to get paid. I don't have what it takes to pay him. And if I can't pay him, he's going to take my boys. He's going to take my kids. When people start messing with your kids, things get real. You'll do anything. Out of desperation to save your children, you will do anything. Anything. 
So Elisha asked her the question, well, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house that's of value? What do you have in your house that's worth anything? And I can imagine, it doesn't say this, but I can imagine she just kind of is very humble and broken at this point because she realizes, I don't have anything. She realizes, only thing I've got is this jar of oil. That's it. Other than my sons, this is all I've got. Sometimes all you've got is all you need. So many times as Christians, we feel God call us to do things. We've had those promises spoken over us. We read his word and we see the promises that are given to us. And then we hear God speak to us and he says, I want you to go do this. And the first thing we do is we look at ourselves and say, I don't have what it takes. All I've got is a jar of oil. That's all I've got. I can't, I can't play the guitar and sing like Wes. How am I going to minister to people? Because remember, you guys are ministers. Every person in these seats are ministers. So we start to compare ourselves to people. We start to look at what other people can do, look at the talents other people have, and we start feeling less than, and we start getting discouraged, and we say, listen, I just don't have what it takes to do what you're calling me to do. All I have is a, a, a measly little jar of oil. I can't sing like Adrian. I can't play the drums like Brandon. can't preach like Vincent Franklin or Anthony Cole or Stephen Furtick. I can't do those things because I don't have what it takes. She didn't think she had what it took. All I have is a jar of oil, a small jar of oil, that. just a jar of oil. Not enough to pay my debts. If we take what we have and we give it to God, no matter how big, no matter how small, if we give it to God and let Him use it, You'll make a difference. You'll find your purpose. But we got to give it, not hang on to it. Say, God, I don't have much, but what I've got, I give it to you. I don't have a whole lot to give you. I'm poor. I don't have any money. I can't, I can't give to the church like so-and-so can that's got all this money that he can pour into ministry and to see all that stuff done. I can't do that. But guess what? If you can't do it, he's not going to ask you to do it. 
all I've got is this jar of oil. So Elisha tells her, hey, go out. Get you some vessels, some empty vessels. That's, that's key. Get you some empty vessels and bring them back in the house. So she sent her boys out to go get the vessels, comes back in, and he told her, listen, take them, take your little jar, your little jar, and start pouring them in. So she starts to pour. I, oh, time out. Let me back up a little bit. Before she began to pour, he did say this to her. Shut that door. The door that you came in that's open, that other people's going to be nosy and be looking in like this right here. Because they'll be doing this. Oh, what is she doing? That, that, that's so silly. That don't make no sense what she's doing. Uh, why is she collecting all these vessels when all she's got is a little jar? She can't pour that oil in all these vessels. What is she doing? She's lost her mind. How about somebody just go shut that door? You know, in Mark chapter 5, when Jesus raised the little girl from the dead, what did he do? He put them out in the room. Said, hey, y'all need to get out. You bunch of doubters, y'all need to get up out of here. Guys, we got to shut the door. There's some people we need to shut the door. We can love them, but we can love them with the door shut. I can love you through that door just as much as I can with you in this room. There's some relationships we need to shut the door on. There's some past hurts that we need to shut the door on. There's some naysayers. There's, you, you can fill the blank in. There's all types of things that we need to shut the door on. And Elisha said, shut the door and then pour. Because people will talk you down. People are going to say, man, you've lost your mind. You're crazy. My God does some crazy things sometimes. I'll spit in the, I'll spit in the dirt make some mud rubbing your eyes. That don't make no sense. That's kind of crazy. Shut the door. So she began to pour. She began to pour the oil out. She was pouring and pouring. And all of a sudden, that vessel got full. The oil didn't stop. So she moved to the next vessel. And she's poured and she's poured and she's poured. That vessel gets full. Oil don't stop. So she gets to the next vessel and she pours and she pours. And she pours and she pours. It filled up. Oil didn't stop. Y'all get the point, right? Her faith dictated her blessings. Because the man of God, Elisha, said, hey, go out and get your vessels, but don't get too few. If she would have got two vessels, that's all she would have had. If she'd have had three vessels, that's all she would have had. But God says, go, you go, and you get. And she's pouring, and she's pouring, and she gets to the last vessel that fills up, and she says, give me another vessel, boy. He says, there are no more. This is it. What kind of faith is that? That's some, that's some crazy faith. You're going around town, hey, I need an empty vessel. Why? Ooh, <laughs> well, some man told my mom to 
she needed to pour a little jar in there, and she'd have, okay, well. But they had to go around and ask people. I'm pretty sure they felt kind of silly asking. I can't imagine. <laughs> Can I be any vessel? Why? My mom's got that little jar of oil, and she's just going to pour it, and she's going to keep coming out. Her faith, and I guess her sons as well, dictated their blessing. Now, we're talking about this oil. And if you've been in church for a while, you'll know what the oil represents. If you haven't, I'm about to tell you. In the Bible, when oil is mentioned, it's a reference to the anointing of God. The anointing. All she had was a little bit of anointing. That's all she had. But she had it. And God multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it. And multiplied it, and multiplied it, and multiplied it, and multiplied it, and multiplied it. Why? Because she had an empty vessel to put it in. How many of us would agree we want God's anointing in our lives? God, we want more of you. We want more of your anointing, God. We want to find our purpose. We want to be fulfilled. And so many times he's saying, got nowhere for the anointing to go because you're already full. You're full of yourself. You're full of this world. You're full of selfish desires. If you want my anointing, you've got to give me an empty vessel. Because I'm not going to waste it. I'll find somebody else to give it to. I got 7,000 more in waiting. <laughs> Let me talk to you real quick about the vessel. This is a, uh, an illustration Jensen Franklin did years back. And he talked about the importance of a vessel. What is the most important thing in this story? It's the anointing, all right? It's the anointing of God. That's what this whole story is about the anointing, the provision. That's what it's about. But without that vessel, guys, you and I are vessels. But without the empty vessels, it couldn't have taken place. So Jensen Franklin told a story like this. He says, how many of y'all like pizza? So I'm going to ask y'all, how many of y'all like pizza? Two people. What's wrong with y'all? Y'all want a carb diet? No, what's the new thing? A keto diet? Yeah, something like that. So let's just say, is, is there a place here in Florence that sells like real Italian pizza, not like Pizza Hut or Domino's? Is there like a place that sells like real? No. I'm thinking greasy, like real greasy pizza. Stefano sells her greasy pizza? All right. Let's say you call Stefano's up. You say, hey, Stefano, how are you? Good to have you. Invite him to church. 
Mr. Stefano, we'd like to come to church. Then after you invite him to church, say, hey, listen, I want to get your house pizza. There's a place in Lake City that's called Pizza Roma. I don't know if you've ever been there. They serve the greasiest, best pizzas you'll ever eat. Like you pick it up and it drips, and you put it in a cup and save it and drink. I'm just kidding, you don't do that. <clears throat> but you've got this pizza that you're calling Stefano and say, hey, I want to order your house special pizza, and I want you to deliver it to my house. Okay, Mr. Uh, Spires will be there in 20 minutes. Okay. Ding dong. You go to the door, you're sitting there, you open the door. There's Mr. Stefano sitting there holding your pizza. And it's all floppy. And the grease is running because it wasn't in a box. And the grease is running down his arm. He's sitting there holding the pizza because that's what you ordered. That's what you wanted. That's what you paid for was the pizza. Here it is. Are you going to take it? Are you going to take this pizza that's not in a box, that's flopping down, that's touching my hand, it's grease going everywhere? Are you going to, are you going to receive that from him? No, you're not. But the vessel, this cheap little piece of cardboard that might cost two cents, This little cheap vessel that has little to no value is needed to carry what was purchased. So you might look at yourself and say, hey, I'm, I'm insignificant. Are you empty? Are you willing to empty yourself out to be a carrier of the anointing? Mm. So she was pouring, pouring in the vessels. Looks to her son, give me another one. Mom, there are no more. There's no more vessels. We're out. There are no more in the neighborhood. And it was at the point that the vessels were full that the oil quit flowing. It didn't say it kept spilling out on the floor. No, it didn't. When the vessel was full, it stopped. And Elisha said to her, take the oil, sell what you can, pay off your debts, live off the rest. He didn't just give her enough to get by. He didn't give her just enough. He gave her more than enough. More than enough. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we believe in. That's the God that we trust in. That's the God that makes promises to us. And all he's saying is, come and get it by doing that. Empty yourself out. I will pour myself into you. You will be fulfilled. You will work in the purpose that I have called you to do. But as long as you're so full of you, you're not going to get it. 
You're not going to get it. God, I'm tired of coming to church every single week and nothing changing. God, I'm tired of coming to church and not feeling fulfilled. There's something missing in my life. It's called purpose. I've been there. Listen, I've gone to church for all of my life, grew up in church. I got to the point where going to church, I was like, what's the point? I go to church, I praise the Lord, get my praise on, and I leave feeling empty because I had no purpose because I doubted myself. I didn't think I could do it because I wouldn't give what God put in me back to him. Listen, oh, he's just wanting some obedience. Just give it back to me. Here, here's $10. Now give me the $10. Oh, Lord, this is $10. I could go buy me a third of a round of golf with this. I could buy six holes of golf. But when God gives us stuff, it's so hard for us to give it back to him. Here, okay. Now God says, can I give it to you? I can take that and I can multiply it. I can take that and I can make something out of it. I can take that if you'll just give it back to me. Hmm. I think I'll just hold on to it for a little while, Lord. I'm so scared of what you're going to, I'm so scared to let go of what I've got. Then you'll never get what he's promised you. So my challenge to you guys today, not just you, I'm not pointing at you or you. My challenge to us, guys and women, find your purpose. Find what God has given you and give it back to him. If I, I'm not going to ask you to, if I told everybody in this room to raise their hands of who is tired of church, I'm going to be honest with you. Just be real for a second. Tired of coming to church week in and week out and nothing changed. Hands will go up all the way across this place. Damn. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because he doesn't want to withhold it from you. you got to step out. about where the Israelites got to the Jordan. You know, when, when, when Moses parted the Red Sea, they walked, boom, the sea was parted. They walked across on dry land, <laughs> closed back up behind them. But when the Israelites came to the Jordan, Moses was no longer there. What had to happen? The priests had to step out. The water was flowing in the river. And as they put the foot down, the water went back there. And he put his foot down here, and the water went back there. So they had to do things a little differently. They got the same result of what happened the first time, but it took a different process to get there. What are you going to do to get it? What are you willing to give up to get it? Because you think that... (laughs) Some people think Christians can't have fun. 
I might have to give up this or I'm going to have to give up that. Listen, you don't know freedom and you don't know fun. Let's just, let's just, let's just, let's just. When we start talking about being holy and we start talking about sanctification, People think that, oh, that's God want me to not have fun. That's God. Listen, that ain't nothing about God not want you to have fun. That's God trying to protect you. God, he, he's, not, he's not trying to set a bunch of rules for you. He's trying to set boundaries. How many of you ever been in the mountains? Gatlinburg. Don't go through the partway because you will throw up. I get so sick. If I make that wrong turn, even if I'm driving, I get sick. But there's guardrails. Why are those guardrails there? It's not that the mountain hates us and he don't want us to have fun. It's that the people that are saying, hey, this is, this is something that could possibly hurt you. This is something that could possibly be detrimental to your health. So we're going to put up some guidelines. We're going to put up some boundaries to keep you from falling off the edge and dying. That's living a holy life. Come on. Find out what your purpose is. And do whatever you got to do to see that promise come to pass. Because people are dying and going to hell every single minute. We're ministers. Every single person in this room is a minister. What are we going to do about it? If we can get our eyes, if we could quit looking in the mirror at ourselves and start looking through a window out there in the world and seeing all those people that are lost Instead of what we want, we start focusing on lost people. Isn't that crazy that if we start focusing on lost people, we'll reach lost people? You know, there, there's a story about Jesus, and he had, there were, that, that was a parable. There, there was a shepherd, and there were these 100 sheep, and there was 99 that was here, and one was missing. And guess what the shepherd did? He left the 99 to go find the one. That lost person who didn't know the Lord, can you believe that? Can you believe that? Can, can, can you believe that, that that shepherd left us in the pasture by ourselves? That wasn't even the grass I wanted to eat that day. That wasn't the, 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 the creek I wanted to drink out of. But he left us to go find that one lost sheep. Can, can you believe he would do such a thing? Focus on lost people. Last thing. I look out here today. Look at this church. I see a lot of empty chairs. A lot of them. Probably more than half of them. And I'm not, I'm not talking down to y'all. I'm not doing that. I see a lot of opportunity. I see a lot of areas for growth. This church is still going through transition. Nehemiah, the Lord spoke to him. 
Go rebuild those walls. So Nehemiah went to do what the Lord had purposed him to do. What the Lord had called him to do, to be a builder. So he goes there, and the Bible says that there was only, only a remnant remained. A small amount of people remained in the city because the enemy had come in, destroyed the walls, and ransacked the place, and they took off, they looted everything, and only a small amount of people stayed. But a man went in there with God on his side, with a vision, with faith, and he spoke vision to the remnant that was there. He said, you know what, we're going to build this thing back. We're going to do it. And it says that some worked on this gate, and some worked on this hinge, and some worked on this wall. So literally, it had people working all around there were people working. And it says that the walls were built because the people had a mind to work. You want to build this church? Get to work. Ministers, I'm calling all ministers, get to work. Somewhere on the gate, somewhere. So what that tells me is that, listen, there's a place for everybody. Some people worked on the septic system. Some people worked on the walls. Some people did, you know, sidewalks and whatever. But there were some who didn't do the physical labor because they probably couldn't. So your younger backs were doing the hard labor. It said 50% labored and 50% stood guard. I'm praying for you. I'm interceding for you. I'm going to the Lord on your behalf. While you're out here sweating to your brow, blood, sweat, and tears, listen, you're not alone. I got your back. I'm here because the enemy's going to come against you. He's going to talk. He's going to try to tear back down what you're doing. Once again, you need to shut that door because the enemy's going to come and say, you can't do this. There's no way you can take those burnt bricks and make this wall back. But what the enemy don't know is what God, mm. what God can do. With broken pieces. Another another portion of that story. They had a game plan. If the enemy were to come. If the enemy were to come, they knew what they were going to do. Nehemiah told him, he said, listen, beside me, I've got a guy that's got a trumpet. And when the enemy comes against us, he will blow his trumpet. Then we'll come together. Everybody say together. together. Then God will fight for us. Together. Unity. Guys, if we're not unified, we can't do anything. We're fighting amongst ourselves. We can't do anything. If we could just come together and put our differences aside and focus on the purpose. And that purpose being the lost. Reaching people for Jesus.
if I could get my prayer team to come out. I'm not going to lay hands, go down there and pray for people because you probably don't want none of this. If I could get my prayer team to come up and stand across this front this morning. If you're here this morning, first call, we'll say, hey, if you're here this morning and you want to give your life to the Lord, say, hey, I've never accepted Jesus Christ. my Lord and my Savior. If that's you this morning, so come on down. Okay. Just wanted to give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you say, Jay, I'm tired of the same old, same old. I want something different. I want to find my purpose. I want to find what, the, what, what, what God has destined me to do. If that's you this morning, you can come down and we'll pray with you. We'll try to pray with you to help you find that purpose. There is no shame in this. Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. We can't expect to live our lives the same way every single day and get more of Him. Today's the day. Today is the day to say, God, I want more of you. God, I'm emptying this vessel out to receive what you've got for me. God, I want your anointing so strong in my life that when people rub up against me, they will know that they have experienced an encounter. Purpose. Purpose. God, I want to live.